That was a beautiful, beautiful song. And uh, I like moving with the Holy Spirit. I want to ask if the praise team can kind of stay around because we may have to do that song at the end of the message. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That was beautiful. Let's pray. Dear holy and precious God, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for calling us to this place to hear what your word has to say to us. Father, we ask that you would hide me right now in your gift, that as I decrease, may your spirit increase in me. Take hold of my tongue, take hold of my mind, that I may only speak the words that you give me. Father, I promise to speak it with boldness and with the help of your spirit with clarity and power and might. Lord, please perform your miracles today. Break yokes, open eyes, and open ears so that they may hear what the spirit has to say to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 For the last several weeks, we have been teaching a series on Nehemiah. It has been a, a privilege and awesome for me to work with my fellow pastor John and just plan over this series and pray over this series and work out some of the things that we feel that God is placing on our heart to share uh, in this series. I've never done that with a co-pastor before. I've always just sat and hear what the Spirit is saying to me. So to have that experience was, was really, uh, it was really refreshing because I got to see my brother in another light. I got to see his spirit. I got to see his heart. And as we laid these messages out, it's time for us to be obedient and to share. How many of you have been blessed so far in the first three series, uh, messages according to Nehemiah? Amen. I'll let you in just on a personal aspect of me. When I'm praying for a message, I try not to come in with a mindset of where I want to go. I come in to be open, and as I read the passages, I ask the Lord to speak to me. Before I can speak to anyone else, I need to pour out from what God has poured in. And so I'm, as I read the passages, I ask the Lord, are you speaking to me, Lord, in, in this word as it pertains to me being a husband, as it pertains to me being a child of God, or are you speaking to me as a leader or a pastor in the local church, or as a brother, as a friend? The story of Nehemiah has a lot of heartfelt connections for me. And the Lord was pretty clear of how he was wanting me to share in this particular series. But as I continued to go into my word, God was showing me that he wanted to lead me down a direction to speak to the heart of his people. And so I just want to be obedient this morning. It was very hard for me to put even a title uh, to the sermon. 
Maybe that would happen after I'm done. But I'll just be obedient. For that's what I know to do. Amen? When you look at the chapter one, we, 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 we experience Nehemiah. We come to understand that the people of Judah in the city of Jerusalem was in a terrible condition. The Jews desperately needed someone who had vision, someone who had the heart and mind of God that would help them in their time of need. The Ju- Judah, the people of Judah, was in a place of desperation. Yet God had a plan for their restoration. See, that's good news. Already, that's good news. Because there are times in our lives that we feel a little hopeless, that we feel helpless. And even though we don't know it at the time, God has a plan for our own restoration. And so that's good news for the believer. In Romans 8, 28, he says, For we know that God works everything for the good of those who love him. Why? Because they have been called according to his purpose and his plan. We also read in Jeremiah where it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. Meaning, right now at the time that you're going through something, you don't see where God is. But as a believer, when you come to know his word, we have to trust that God somehow, some way, has a plan for me to get out of here. So perhaps today you sit in the sanctuary and you're unemployed and the bills are piling up. And you are beginning to lose heart. Those who you would normally lean on in times are not able to help you. God has a plan. Maybe you have a, an estranged relationship with a family member or a loved one. And you see no way possible for reconciliation. But God has a plan. Perhaps you received some undesirable news medically regarding your health and you're frightened, you're concerned. I want to tell you today that God is a healer and God has a plan. You may not know it right now, but God has a plan. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, he says, Jesus says, come to me who are all heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Many times I think when we find ourselves in those places where we seem helpless and hopeless, sometimes we may forget just how good our God is, how great, how awesome he is. 
And that's why it's important for us to know the names of a God, of our God, that have been given uh, to us by his people from long ago. There are names of God that says he's the El Shaddai, the mighty one of Jacob. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Sometimes we forget that. He's the Jehovah Rahi, the Lord, our shepherd, who watches over us, who tends to our needs, who cares about the things that we care about. He's also Jehovah Jireh, our provider. How many of you have experienced God in any of those ways in your life? So as a child of God, We become a witness to the Lord's power, to the Lord's might. And we're thankful for the privilege to be called his son or his daughter. God always have a plan. I want that to sink in this morning. No matter how difficult it is, God always have a plan. Remember in Joshua chapter 1, Moses, the leader of Israel, Moses died. And I'm sure the people felt helpless and hopeless because their great leader has died. What are we going to do? Moses was, was the man who would talk to Jesus. And, the, and God will give him words of wisdom God will use him in miraculous ways to help us. But now he's dead. And the Bible says that they mourned the death of Moses. But then, verse 1, we see God come on the scene. And he says to Joshua, who was Moses' aide. He says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. In other words, God was saying, Joshua, all authority is in me. And I'm going to promote you to carry on the mission that I gave to Moses. Now just think for a second. Now I'll let you in to just kind of my little crazy thinking here. I'm sure Joshua, when he heard that, he was trying to be respectful, but it was also very difficult for him to believe that. I'm sure Joshua was like, Lord, our father, Lord, I'm just Moses' aide. I just like carry his bags, get him something to drink, grim him a towel if he's sweating. I'm just an aide. Never have I done any miracles. Never have I communed with you and just heard an awesome vision of what to do. Not me, I'm just an aide. Moses had the ability to have your knowledge, your wisdom, and your power. He heard your voice. 
And I believe the Lord just smiled at him and said, Joshua, you're right. Moses was able to do those things. Moses had my power. Moses was able to hear my voice just as you are today. As I was with Moses, he tells him, I will be with you. God tells Joshua, I have a plan that involves you to do some extraordinary things that you may have never, never thought or imagined you could do. But in partnership with me, those things will get done. Joshua had an experience with the Lord, a close encounter of a glorious kind. And then if you read verses 5 through 9, now I understand you're saying, why are you talking about Joshua and Moses when you're supposed to be talking about me and Maya? I heard you. I heard you. I'm just trying to establish that God always have a plan. And so Joshua, the Lord tells him, he says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now be strong and courageous because I see you shaking. I know you want to start giving some excuses. I know you want to start telling me your resume, your history, what you have not yet to do. So I'm telling you, just be strong, toughen up. Be courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be courageous. But not only that, he gave them some other words that we also have to pay very close attention to. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Why? Because I gave it to him. And although it's a new leader stepping in place, you still follow that same word. Ooh, y'all didn't catch that. Y'all didn't catch that. Because what happens when one leader leaves and a new leader come in? We want to put our stamp on it, don't we? Ha ha, don't we? We want to let it be known who's here today. I know you used to do it that way when Moses was running, but now it's my show. No, Joshua, we're not going to have that. You're going to follow the same plan, which is my original plan. Don't get all excited because I use you in a certain way and you start thinking it's you and not me. He says, but obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. I don't need you to come up with your bright ideas. I don't need you to come up with all kinds of different strategies that look good, that may appeal to people. I want you to follow what I'm calling you to do in the book of the law. He said, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything that's written in it. 
then you will be prosperous and successful. Meaning if you try to do anything different according to my plan, you're going to be left with your own results and you can't blame me. In this passage, we see that God reveals his plan with instructions and details and warnings. But he also guarantees his success. The people of Judah was in a horrible, desperate situation. But God had a plan. You say, well, how do you know? We see it in verse 4. Nehemiah asked his, his brother and some other men had came. Now, here's what, again, my imagination. It's not intended to my imagination. They came to visit Nehemiah. I'm wondering if they had a ball game to go to some shopping, something that they were going to do when they get together. Did they have a plan? I know if it was me getting together with some other guys, we're just not going to sit in the house. We're going to go out. We're going to do something. But they come and they give him a report that changes everything. Nehemiah receives this report in verse 4 about the people in his homeland. And his heart is broken. The Bible says he was deeply, deeply, deeply hurt. And he spent some time crying, weeping about the people in his homeland. What was it that had him so disturbed? He wept and mourned for several days. See, Nehemiah was far removed from his homeland. However, his homeland was significant to the man he had become. So the lessons that he learned, the Bible teaching, the fellowship, the biblical principles that his life is founded on, his spiritual DNA, made him into the man who he is, and he's very successful. He's eating with the king. He's comfortable. But when he hears about the state of his homeland, he's deeply grieved. He remembers how, when the walls had been burnt down before, how Jerusalem, the people of Judah, was taken as slaves. And so he's thinking how devastated those people could possibly be. Church, let me say this. Even when we receive bad news, God is still on the throne. All hope may seem lost, but God is able. We are painfully broken. That's not a time for us to think that God doesn't love us and God is not near us. In fact, scriptures say God is close to the brokenhearted. 
But why pain? Sometimes that's exactly what we need to get our attention. Pain sometimes brings us to the place to our knees. And it brings us to a place that we are exactly where God wants us to be. Because many times we try to do things on our own. We feel that we can fix it. But there are some things that are broken in our lives that the pain would draw us to our knees so that we can experience a supernatural work from God. And you say, well, what's the significance of that? Why do we need to have that? How come God can just go boop and everything be fixed? Sometimes when you have a great experience with God, no one can talk you out of knowing the power and the truth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you experienced it in your life. And God wants every one of his children to experience him in that way. Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God is calling his people to the foot of Jesus. I'm going to pick up some more in my message, but just to illustrate this point, I've asked a sister who I've heard her testimony two weeks ago was just a blessing to me. I want to ask Sister Kim to come on up and share her testimony with you. Good morning, church. Can you hear me? I'm just delighted to be here and to share about what the Lord has done for me. When I became a Christian about 35 years ago, my grandfather told me, if anybody ever asks you to tell what the goodness of the Lord, what the Lord has done for you, you, you do it. So I am delighted to be here. And I know that our elders are careful about who gets in this pulpit and gets a chance to speak to the people of God. So I'm really glad to be here and share. And I have a lot of testimonies, but I'm going to just share about just the most amazing thing that had happened uh, this year and is and still continuing. Uh, not long after my 50th birthday, the beginning of the year, I started to notice kind of a shadow forming on the side of my um, left breast. I wasn't worried about it, but I just kept an eye on it and just was kind of watching. And then I woke up on Monday, February 2nd, I was getting up, getting dressed, getting ready, and I noticed my, my left breast had completely split, like somebody had put a rubber band around it and split into the front and the back. And, um, you know, in this church, we have our, our consecration around Easter, but, but other than that, we don't focus a whole lot, I think, on fasting, but the church I grew up in in the old days in Kojic, those folks on Friday would turn their plates over and they would fast until Sunday mornings. And some amazing things happened there. And I just, for whatever reasons, when I looked and I saw what had happened into my breast, I went immediately into fasting and prayer, immediately. 
And um, the other thing that had happened was that this was January. My mother had been living with us during her lung cancer treatment the year before and had passed away uh, that, that March, the previous March. And, you know, it was a devastating experience for me. And even though she had been gone a while, I was just coming out of the point where I wasn't crawling in bed for a couple hours every afternoon. So when this happened to my breast, I said, Lord God, no, I don't want this. I can't do this. I need your mercy and I need your grace. I need it for my sake and I need it for my family's sake, for my children's sake, because we've been through so much. I need your healing. I need your healing. So as I said, I went immediately into fasting and prayer, just reached right, right back to my youth, and I called my doctor. And that was on Monday, and she had me in, and she said, okay, we're going to schedule you for a mammogram and a directed ultrasound. And that was on Friday. So that gave me some time. And I'm kind of a methodical person and a fixer, and you give me a job to do, I got away. So I immediately started Googling scriptures. I found a website that had 100 scriptures on healing. I was like, okay, I got this one. I am praying on this one. Um, uh, seek me, you know, let's see, I am the Lord. If you heal me, I will be healed because you are the one I serve. That's Jeremiah. I had told my girlfriends, pray for me because I believe in the power of prayer and I'm, grow I'm going through something and it, to me it's big. So you all drop everything you're doing and pray for me. A girlfriend sent me an email. She said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the name you're going to claim is the Lord my healer, Jehovah Rapha, and you run to it and you will be healed. I had another girlfriend said, when we knock, He's not going to, and we ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give us a stone, and healing is the children's bread. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm a believer. I'm an actual believer. I, for a period, I was going to church, and it was message, past the plate, A and a B selection. I said, I don't want this. I left. I searched the Lord for myself for a couple of months. I'm not here trying to play anybody's church. I wanted to seek the Lord because I'm actually a believer. And I said, Lord, here I am. I'm actually one of your people. The word says this. I believe you're faithful through a thousand generations. And I'm reading what your word says. And like all the rest of you, I know Christians who have come down with disease. I saw all the people who have cancer or loved ones with cancer, or survivors of cancer. I know that there are people going to glory every day through cancer. And I said, Lord, that's between you and them. But I see these scriptures here, and I'm a lawyer, and it says that you heal your people. So I went into fasting, and I went into prayer. Amen. So then by Friday, you said five minutes. Is my time up? No, no, keep going, keep going. By Friday... I went to, to get my directed uh, to my mammogram and my ultrasound. I just went in praying, and I armed with my scriptures, just seeking the Lord. And, and I did have his peace. So I got the whole thing done, and there was a sister girl who was my technician. And um, she, I was like, well, how are we doing here? She said, yeah, looks all right. And I said, well, so, um, so when am I going to hear from the doctor what the results are? She said, well. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's fine. I said, you don't see anything? She said, no, you know, I don't see any tumors. I don't see anything visible here. So I was like, okay. And I got dressed and I got to my car and I thought, I need to send my praise report now to everybody who's praying. But I thought, 
but I don't know that I don't have cancer. I just know they didn't see a tumor. And if I get a praise report now, and if I'm still sick, then I'll look like a fool, and God will, be, will, will look like a fraud, and, and all this stuff will happen. And I thought, you know what, though? She could have said cancer. She could have said lumps. She could have said, this doesn't look good. We've got to follow up. But I had good news. So I sent out my email. I give thanks unto the Lord for his goodness to me. A lot of my girlfriends got that. And I thought, I'm going to have to let the Lord worry about his reputation. If it turns out later, I'm still, I'm sick. So that was on Friday. So I ate because I was celebrating. Um, and then on Monday, I started fasting again because I had a, an appointment with the breast surgeon to get another opinion about what might have been going on there. So I continued in fasting and prayer and searching scriptures. And then on Wednesday, I saw the surgeon, and um, she said, Well, I don't see anything obvious, but I'm concerned that the breast is split. So um, we need to get a, an MRI and see, what, see if we can get some more information here. Um, so I thought, okay. But when I left that appointment, I didn't have bad news. So I sent out an email to all of my friends saying, I give thanks. Because God is faithful. And as long as I'm still standing here knocking at the door and I've got good news, I let everybody know. But you all keep praying for me. And so then I went home. I had a meeting. I went home and I, um, I had a little bit of dinner that night. I broke my fast because I had good news. And then I woke up that next morning and remembered she had said something about ductal cancer. Let me just look that up. And ductal cancer is a kind of cancer that doesn't show up on a mammogram or an ultrasound and it doesn't cause a lump. So you know what I was doing again, right? Mm -hmm. I went immediately back into fasting and prayer. And I called it because she had told me to call and schedule my MRI. So I, I scheduled the MRI. Do you know how long I had to wait to get an MRI? Eight days. Yeah, that's a long time to fast and pray. Well, not to pray, but certainly to fast. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't know if I can fast. I've never fasted that long. But I'm going to start because I am still seeking the Lord here. I'm not done. I'm not going to sit and just say, oh, whatever, I done fasted enough here, whatever you're going to do. I kept fasting and praying and searching the scriptures. My son said, Mama, hey, can you come and watch TV with us? We're going to watch Blackish. I said, I'm sorry, baby. I'm seeking the Lord right now. I can't do that. All my client work that was so urgent, it had to wait because I was seeking the Lord. Even my Christian radio that I listened to, like Mandisa, you're an overcomer, I put that aside. I listened to worship music that carried me into the Lord's presence. Amen. And that's what I focused on. And I got through that. Uh, I didn't know how long I was going to be called to fast, but I got through to the day of my MRI. I had a, did that that morning, had a meeting in San Francisco, and I came home, and I was in my car in my driveway, which is often my, my place of prayer. I got two boys, and so moms, you know, sometimes you have to stop and grab a moment of quiet when you can. Sometimes I'm just in my car before I go in the house. And there I was, and I was praying people because I was a little tired. And I wasn't discouraged because through this whole thing, I'm checking. Am I healed yet? You haven't healed me yet. I was really expecting to just be healed. And, but I was tired. And I said, Lord, I'm your servant. What more can I do? I'm clutching the, the hem of your garden, garment. I'm doing everything I know how. I don't know what else to do. But I need you. I need to hear from you. I need to know I'm not alone. I'm not talking to myself. Will you be real to me? And that's when it happened. The voice of the Lord spoke to me in my car and said this. 
do all of this for your own healing and none of it for this problem you have let fester in your life for how long? And you know, when I, I told Pastor Emmanuel, I said, I'm just going to describe this like as a situation so I don't have to name any names or anything. But the Lord didn't stop everything and break into my life over a situation. This was a problem, and I had just decided, it's not my problem. The Lord's going to have to deal with that. And went on about my business. And I had become complacent to this problem. And the Lord said, but I'm not complacent. You're my disciple. You asked to be my servant. And here you've turned your back on this. And I put you here so that you can be, show my love in this situation. You can show the power of God in this situation. And you're not. And I felt in that moment, you know, when you have a child who does something bad and you say, say you're sorry. And they say, I'm sorry. But I felt like, I felt so shamed. I felt so, because if anybody had asked me, I'd have said, yeah, I serve the Lord. I use my gifts. I train my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And I would have thought, when my time comes, I'm going to hear the Lord say, well done. But I, what I got was a complete rebuke. And more importantly, I got a correction, a correction that I needed. My ears had been deaf to. Nobody could tell me. And it was really hindering my, my walk with the Lord in ways that I was too smug to kind of be corrected by with my friends. But I immediately went into repentance. And when the Lord spoke to me about that, I knew I was healed. I knew it was not about cancer. This was about something entirely, completely. When I say I knew I was healed, I can't tell you how. I knew I was healed. And when a doctor called later and said it was fine, I already knew it was fine. That was like a week or so later. I knew it was fine. But I immediately went into then repentance and asking the Lord now, how do you want me to serve you in this? And so that was another, the Lord is still leading me in that, but I'm already seeing breakthroughs, and I was sharing some of the breakthroughs with Safari Kids when I shared this testimony with Pastor Emmanuel. But then, you know, it kind of, you ask the question, if God is the God of the universe and all power is in his hands and he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, why did I have to do all this starving and, and seeking out scriptures and doing all this? If I can just say it, and can't he just do it? That's what I'm thinking, right? But what the Lord showed me is that when we pray and we fast and we seek him, it's not so much about him hearing us, because clearly he can hear us. Yes. It's about us, in my case, me, being able to hear him. Amen. And I couldn't do that with my life being busy and, and doing all of my stuff and all of my Christian music, right? My, my whole routine, I had to stop. And I must say, we don't do a whole lot of fasting, I think, in this church. Or maybe you do, but we, we don't talk about it so much. There was something about the fasting, the habits or the mistakes I, that I had, some things that were going on. Like I had, I had um, gone to a meeting, and I slighted someone. By the time I got home, I had, to get, I had to get on the phone with her. I had to get that right. I was reading a book on historical fiction about a Christian saint. The book kind of looked sideways. It was like ants on me. I couldn't read the book. And I think the fasting just helped me enter the Lord's presence in a way I wasn't normally doing Amen. and helped me draw nearer. He's there, but it helped me draw nearer. So um, that's my testimony. I just thank, the God, I thank God for his healing. I thank him for his correction. And I thank him for, I don't know why I went to fasting anyway, other than the Spirit of the Lord said so. So I thank the Lord for leading me and guiding me to help me be 
his servant. Amen. Amen. As I was praying and just looking over this series, that's the message that the Lord wanted me to share with the body. See, God has a plan for abundant life. But we have some very smart people in this church. We got smart leaders. We got smart members. And many of us can come together. We can have a brainstorm session. And we can think about all kinds of plans and activities and programs and everything that we can do to rebuild abundant life. But God is saying, I'm not asking you to get in a meeting and, and, and come together with these plans. I want you to repent and come sit at my foot. I want you to fast. I don't want your plan. ALCF leaders, I want you guys to have my plan. And it's not going to come through a casual prayer. It's not going to come through a casual song. It's going to come with us laying at the feet of Jesus. And as you heard earlier, Sister uh, Hill and them have a, a meeting plan for the church to get together. And the pastors and the elders are planning a time to get together. I want to encourage those who are meeting in, in uh, growth groups for you to get together and spend some time praying about abundant life. Because it can be very easy for us to get together and talk about what we should be doing. Amen? Now the hand of God has blessed this church. At one time, we had over 66 different ministries. The church was rocking. It was a blessing. It was the buzz around the town. God is not through with abundant life. Oh, I have so much more, but in the interest of time, I'm going to have to carry this over to the next week. But God is calling us as a leadership team. Come and hear my plans. Don't worry about your budget. Don't worry about the people that have left. I have called other people that's going to come here. Just like he called Nehemiah. Nehemiah was burdened in his heart. And next week we're going to go and we're going to look into the prayer that Nehemiah had. Because I call that prayer a repentance intercessory prayer. Repentance. God is calling us back to the fabric of our DNA. The original core biblical principles and values that he gave to the founding fathers of this church when he birthed it. See, the, the question is, God, not a, what, what is it that we want to do what did you have in mind when you called abundant life into existence? That's what we need to know. And though you see us where we are right now, what is it that you're calling us to do? But we're not going to get it until we bathe ourselves in repentance prayer. And I'll go into the reason why we need to repent next week. But right now, I just want to ask you to open your hearts to the Lord. I want you to consider what walls are broken 
in your own life? Where you have given up hope? Where do you feel helpless? And I want to encourage you, as our sister did, to go to the foot of Jesus, to pray, to intercede. Not just pray real quick, but pour your heart out to God. Push aside some TV. Push aside some music. Push aside some of those other things that we allow to take up our time and seek his face and watch the Lord do some mighty things in your life. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you want to have a deeper relationship with us. And we thank you, Lord, that whenever we find ourselves in very difficult, painful situations, we understand, God, that you have a plan. If we would release our way, if we would release our ideals and just say, Abba, Father, I'm here. What do you have for me to do? Father, you would make it clear to us as we cling to you where your Holy Spirit is leading us. We thank you today, Lord God, for reminding us that. And as the band comes and sing this song, I want to ask that you would go to that sanctuary right now in your heart, that you would talk to God about the things that's burdening your heart. Give it to him. Surrender it to him. And watch God move on your behalf. Thank you.